Guy Jr. had lived a comfortable 28 years being fully supported by his parents. Through multiple school changes and never having a job, his parents supported him completely. But on Thanksgiving weekend 2016, he committed one of the most heinous and gruesome murders you could imagine, with no criminal background or troubled childhood to influence him. But what drove him to kill both of his supportive parents? This episode discusses murder and dismemberment. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Joel Michael Guy Jr. was born in 1988 to Joel Michael and Lisa Guy. Growing up, he was called Joe Michael to distinguish himself from his father. He had three half-sisters from Joel's previous marriage who recall him being very reclusive, barely leaving his room, but he was intellectually competent. He graduated from Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts in 2006, which is a public residential high school, so essentially a boarding school, and it's very, very competitive to get into. It is a public school, and the foundation within the school ensures that all qualifying students are able to attend, so it's not really a situation where only really wealthy, well-off kids are going. It's done based on your intellectual merit. So that shows that he was very intelligent. Right. He was smart. He was very book smart. He spent most of his life with his parents in West Knox, Tennessee, and he did attend a few universities. He went to George Washington University for a single semester and then dropped out. And then he went to Louisiana State University to study plastic surgery, but withdrew in 2015. During this time, he was being fully financed by his parents and living in a very nice Baton Rouge apartment. By the age of 28, he had never had a job. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're kidding. No, so he... (laughs) He's smart, but not, like, socially competent. Right. He's so smart. He, I think, is just... I don't know. I don't know if he's lazy, but he has never been able to actually finish a university. He dropped out from George Washington. He withdrew from Louisiana State University. It almost seems like he can't find, like, a passion. But then he's not trying to help his parents in any way by at least funding himself while he's trying to explore those passions. Like if you're truly looking to find yourself and that's why you're needing to jump around schools, if you had a job, I would view that very differently. But you're basically depending on your parents at 28 years old still. I have a bone to pick when you're a sophomore, junior in college and you're still doing that. Freshman, okay. Sophomore, junior in college, you're still depending mainly on your parents. I have a bone to pick. But 28 years old. No, he's like a full-on adult. And I think also like him hopping around from colleges is shows in the fact that he's not financially independent because most people that hop around colleges, like it's expensive to do so. It's so expensive. College in general is so expensive. And if you're just withdrawing from school after school, you're not getting anything from those universities. You can't go to a job and say, well, I took, you know, Econ 101 at this school and I took Sociology 328 at this school. 
they don't care because there's no degree behind it. So you're essentially throwing money away. By this time of him withdrawing from Louisiana State University in 2015, his parents were reaching retirement age and they were growing increasingly tired of funding their now grown son as they should be. They were planning to let him know that they would be ending their support of his lazy lifestyle, but were trying to figure out the best way to tell him because they kind of predicted that he wouldn't take it well. And I think that Joel was kind of catching on to this, that they were trying to retire and that his benefits from his parents may be coming to an end soon. It's just like surprising that it took them all the way up to the retirement to like try and kick their like essentially their son out of the nest like most people reach that point very early like way earlier on in their child's like life so for him like for retirement to be like the end all be all i don't know if again this was the only child that the two had together in their marriage joel did have three siblings but they were from a previous marriage Um, so I don't know if he's like then favored differently. Um, he was quiet as a kid, so I don't know if he has just been more coddled his whole life. Sometimes it can be hard to say no to your child. Um, but I think when they're showing no effort at all to improve their life, like you can't even finish a degree and Not that you're leaving a degree to go to like a trade school or leaving a trade school to go get a job. You're leaving a degree and sitting at home in an apartment that your parents are paying for. No job, no nothing. With the knowledge of both of his parents' life insurance benefits of a mere $500,000, Joel began to think about how he would secure money without having to change his lifestyle. I just don't feel like $500,000 at the grand scheme of life is that much. No, and this isn't like, let me, this happened in 2015, 2016 time. So it's not like it was a long time ago where $500,000 was a lot of money. I'm going to buy you half the United States. (laughs) Like, I'll tell you, I would enjoy $500,000 right now. I would be able to pay off some things, purchase some things for myself. But that's not going to last me forever. That's just a very small amount of money to me. On Thanksgiving Day, November 24th, 2016, 61-year-old Joel Guy and his wife, Lisa, who was 51 at the time, invited their family to their home for Thanksgiving before planning to retire and move to Joel's late mother's mountains home. They were looking forward to a Christmas reunion with the whole family and really just wanted to get everybody together one last time in the home that they had been in for some time. Joel Guy and his three half-sisters arrived at their parents' home for Thanksgiving. They all enjoyed a family dinner, which seemed pretty normal, and his sisters even reported the dinner to be normal and that there were no family disputes that day, and that basically they didn't suspect anything from their half-brother at all. I mean, I feel like Thanksgiving's supposed to be the time where you're thankful and gracious and happy and you eat the good food and all like your whole family's there, so... Why would you suspect that right. your half-brother is like plotting something? Exactly. His sisters eventually retired to their own homes within Tennessee after dinner, and their parents let them know that they planned to have the tough talk with Joel about cutting him off. 
after the sisters leave. It's unclear if this conversation ever actually happened. Joel was supposed to be leaving as well, but actually decided to stay with his parents, but not for wholesome reasons. On November 26, after his mother, Lisa, left to go shopping, Joel Guy Jr. carried out a plan that he had been planning for some time. Joel walked up the stairs of his parents' home to the exercise room where he stabbed his father to death 42 times. It is reported that he pierced the lungs, kidney, and liver and broke several ribs during this attack. Later, Lisa returned home without knowing that her husband of 31 years had just been murdered by their own son. She was attacked as well and was stabbed just like her husband was. The autopsy revealed that she had nine severed ribs. I feel like that's so aggressive. Like it, I feel like it takes so much to like break through the rib. I mean, that's solid bone. So. He did a lot worse to them other than just killing them. After the murders, Joel proceeded to dismember his parents in the most gruesome way imaginable. He was removing limbs and appendages on both parents, and he decapitated his own mother. What? Like, your mother has given you so much for mm-hmm. your 28 years of life. She has truly done everything possible for you. Like, you didn't have a bad home life. No. She paid for everything. Like, there's there's no reports of him having a bad life. And they're, they weren't necessarily wealthy. Like, they, they had to work to give you the life that you had. And so it's just so mind-boggling to me that he would kill them in such a gruesome way. I do think that part of it was done in order to speed up the process of getting rid of the bodies um, because he placed his parents in two 55-gallon plastic containers filled with chemicals and then set the house to 90 degrees in an effort to make the bodies decompose within the chemicals faster. Joel was actually injured during this attack and had several cuts to his hand, so he went to Walmart to purchase first aid items to treat those cuts. He later drove back to the Baton Rouge apartment that his parents funded and had his wounds looked at before traveling back to his parents' home. So why go all the way back to your apartment, like to that area, just to have like your wounds looked at and then... Was he just like waiting for the bodies to decompose and didn't want to be there at the time? Maybe. I don't know if he wanted it to be documented that he was at his apartment as some sort of alibi. Mm. Um, I also don't know if maybe that was just like a homey feeling to him and that he was maybe freaked out or on like an adrenaline high of what he had just done. I'm not 100% sure, but those would be some of my guesses based on this case. Lisa was actually known for being a really good worker, and she had never had any unexplained absences, so when she didn't show up for work, her boss was concerned and called the police to do a welfare check. If you haven't noticed, this is a very common case in how a lot of murders are found, and including some that we've discussed already on the podcast. So Lisa's boss calls for a welfare check, The police arrived at the home, and through the front door, they could see groceries sitting on the floor, and they could smell heat, 
and a very strange smell just from the outside of the house. An officer used the garage door opener in one of the cars in the driveway to enter the home. What they saw when they got inside was something straight out of a horror film. They initially saw Joel's wallet and a sledgehammer sitting on the table and past the grocery bags that they had actually seen through the window when entering through the home. They then saw a boiling pot on the stove, which investigators would later find out to be a pot in which Joel had placed Lisa Guy's head, his mother's decapitated head in. That's so disgusting, because that's also, like, the way people cook turkeys. Like, ew. Yeah. Like, he probably was using, like, he was using the dirty dishes from Thanksgiving. Probably. To try and dissolve his, the people that were hosting Thanksgiving. Ew. Yeah, he was trying to dissolve his own mother's head. It it was set to boiling when investigators found it within chemicals. Oh my goodness. Many of the deputies who were at the crime scene had a physical reaction to smelling the home. And a lot of them had to like leave the home to throw up and things like that because of how awful the smell was. And they could smell this even outside the home. So I couldn't imagine like that smell behind closed doors and then to be in like right there at the stove where the smell is. Right. And remember, he's set the home to 90 degrees as well. So just think of like when you get in your car on a hot day when it's contained and there's something smelly in your car, how much worse it makes it. Just imagine this house. Just Hot brewing. Gross. Just brewing. Yes. Officers actually found a dog barking locked in a bedroom, which was along a hallway where there was a lot of spattered blood. Investigators then found the father, Joel Guy's severed hands laying on the floor. In the bathroom, they found the dismembered parents in tubs of the acidic solution that Joel Guy Jr. had set them in before setting the house to 90 degrees. I feel like that's so sloppy, though. So sloppy. For them, for Joel Guy Jr. to not even have the hands right. within the tub. Like it's it's, it's so one extra step. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's even more surprising that he didn't kill the dog. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll get there. Okay. Hold on to the little tidbit about the dog. Okay. The home was actually deemed so hazardous that investigators had to wear hazmat suits and one officer recalled the scene to be the most horrific thing that he's encountered in law enforcement and in life in general. Investigators also found a handwritten notebook at the scene of the crime, which outlined exactly what needed to be done to execute these terrible crimes. It was almost like a to-do list or a grocery list, and it was scribbled in blue ink. It included talking about life insurance money. It included things such as bring blender, cut off arm, kill dog. But kill dog was slashed out and changed to take dog with you. Which, that's the dog that the police found. So he wasn't able to finish. I think he had a change of heart when he was writing his... But if he wanted to take the dog with him then he wasn't able to, like, come back and finish his plan. No, he wasn't done yet. I think he was hoping that nobody would find the home and it would give time for 
the bodies to completely dissolve within these acidic vats, and that just didn't happen. Joel Guy was seen on multiple surveillance footages purchasing the materials found in the home to dispose of the body prior to the murders, in addition to purchasing first aid supplies for his own injuries. He was arrested a day after the bodies were found and charged with first-degree murder, felony murder, and abuse of a corpse outside his Baton Rouge apartment. So he was just kind of hanging out at his apartment while he waited for his parents to just disintegrate in their home i just have a bone to pick with him because the dog like for all he knew (laughs) the dog was still there Uh uh-huh at the home yeah but the dog was gonna starve to death Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if he was planning to like do little check-ins every once in a while just to check on the progress of his parents decaying bodies also i feel weird leaving a crock pot on all day right to leave your mother's boiling head on the stove for like a week while you're in a different city, like I would think the house is going to turn on. I mean, not that he cared. He didn't care about any of it. But I would think the house is about to catch on fire. Right. I just don't think he thought it out well, even though it seems like he tried to think it out well because he literally there's pages and pages of him writing out, bring blender, flush, like flush chunks down the toilet, make sure to put dad's DNA under her fingerprints, like very detailed notebook. But that's the, amazing how sloppy it was still. Right. It was still so sloppy. And it was all of this for a mere $500,000. And he's already like, the number one suspect. I mean, you were caught on camera buying all these things. Like, watch one crime like show. Listen to one podcast. <laughs> like, yeah. And it wasn't, it's not like those things aren't around. Like, this is 2016. This isn't that long ago. So he just, it's crazy to me that he was just so sloppy about it about all of it when he was interviewed by the police he told them that he had visited his parents um on thanksgiving but he did not disclose a motive um but did mention that they had talked about money joel was found guilty on two counts of first degree murder three counts of felony murder and two counts of abuse of a corpse on october 2nd 2020 and was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences plus four years for the abuse of the corpse When the judge was talking about this case in general during the trial, he said, and I quote, I don't see the potential for rehabilitation for Mr. Guy. I was watching him during the trial. He showed absolutely no remorse or despair over seeing what he had done. Quite frankly, Mr. Guy, you look like you're kind of proud of what you've accomplished. And I truly believe that he was. Since he spent so long trying to plan it out and get everything perfect. I mean, maybe he's not completely satisfied because he did get caught. But I wonder if he's still wondering if he can cash that check. Well, he definitely can't. There's, um, for those who don't know, there's something called like a slasher rule. So if you kill the person, you can obviously not receive the life insurance, even if you are 
um, the recipient, like the noted recipient for the life insurance, you cannot receive it because you killed that person. Um, and what the judge here is talking about, he was watching him during the trial have no reaction to his sisters coming and talking about how wonderful their parents were and how they can't understand why somebody would do this to them, especially him. And he was sitting there with little to no expression on his face at all. So I'm not surprised that he was sentenced the maximum of two life sentences consecutive. Um, I don't think he's up for release for up to 130 years. So I don't think that he will be seeing the light of day. Today, Joel is 34 years old and has recently, as of November 17th, 2022, appealed his convictions after a motion which initially denied him a new trial. He argues that the police had no right to enter his home as he was a resident there and that they didn't have a warrant, but that does not excuse the crimes that were occurring in the home when he murdered both of his parents. This case truly highlights a difference in pattern and stereotypes when it comes to murderers we think of today. Joel did not have a terrible childhood or a criminal past prior to committing this double murder. However, there was a triggering event that led him to begin planning this awful crime. We may never know how he planned to get away with this crime and receive the life insurance money, but Joel is still appealing his case today while serving consecutive life sentences. Next week on An Easy, we discuss the December 2015 murder of Connie DeBate and how police originally suspected her death to be the result of a home invasion. However, her Fitbit told a different story.